Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of the letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, If you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You should not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, Do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the great city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of the letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Earlier this week, as I was reflecting upon this gospel, I kind of had to ask myself, Lord, what are you talking about? Because if you think about it, he, they probably, the people listening to him probably think he's referring to the Mosaic Law. And some of you may have had bacon this morning, may have bacon after Mass today. And of course, the Jewish law forbid us to eat pork. So as we enjoy our sausage and shower crowd for dinner at times, what, how in the world are we able to do that and still be faithful Catholics? And of course, there's other parts of the law related to circumcision that Paul is rather vehemently against in his letter to the Galatians. There are things of this sort, and exactly what is Jesus getting at? As clearly... Parts of the law, the Mosaic law, have passed away. 
I think it is this. While there are certain ceremonial aspects of the law that have passed away, there is a timelessness to the law of God. And it tells us something about the nature of the God that we love and we serve. And what is his nature? Well, his nature is unchanging. God does not change. He does not change his mind. He does not alter his way. And he does not go on his back on his promises. He essentially is not like us, which is extraordinarily good news. Because unlike us, who can at times, one minute, be chipper, happy, and the next minute, frustrated, upset, thrown into anger. Or like us, we can perhaps make a commitment and then later on go back on it. Thankfully, our God is not like that. Our God is not like us in that way. But instead, he keeps his promises. And the most fundamental of promises is the one that he makes to his son, the indication of the promise that he will bestow upon those of us who have been baptized. Whenever his son is baptized in the Jordan, he states, You are my beloved son. At each of our baptisms, each of your baptisms, you were declared a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the Most High God. You were chosen by him, set aside by him, particularly his own, peculiarly his own. God will never go back on that. No matter what you've done, no matter what happens to you, no matter what may happen in the future, God will always call you his beloved child, his son, his daughter, his own beloved one. That will never pass away. That will never cease. Although we, in our own way, may rebel against it, we may choose to act contrary to this deepest sense of our reality of who we are, a beloved son, a beloved daughter, precious in his sight, precious and treasured in his heart. And in this, then, I think comes the next aspect of what is the second aspect of the law not passing away. And what was the significance of the law? Because the law is extraordinarily important to the Jewish people, right? There are 613 laws within the Levitical Code. And the Jews held these to be an indication of something deeper, just not merely the external practices that they indicated, not eating meat and not eating pork, circumcision, certain aspects of what punishments were for certain crimes. But instead, for them, what was the law meant to indicate? It was meant to indicate their status, their status as chosen ones, as a people peculiarly God's own, belonging to the Father, the one true God. That was the law's value, as it set them apart from other nations. It set them apart from those around them. And as a result, the law was meant to be a way of showing who they truly were and indicating how the ways of the Lord were different than the ways of the world. And so it continues to be for us that while we no longer abstain from eating pork, we no longer practice those 613 laws. However, the fact remains that we are his chosen ones. We are his beloved. We are his sons and daughters. 
And this is important for us to remember because also the law is not simply created as hoops to jump through to get to heaven. They're not some sort of bar that needs to be met in order for you to get to your eternal reward. But instead, the law ultimately is meant to fulfill who we truly are. It is meant to give an indication of who we are as God's chosen ones. And it's meant to fulfill who we what who and what we are meant to become. And I think this point is rather well articulated by Sorab Amari, a Iranian Muslim who, after moving to the United States, becomes kind of a participates in American hedonistic and materialistic culture and eventually converts to, to Catholicism. In his book, he notes a moment in his conversion, a moment along his journey of coming to a greater understanding of the importance of order, of fulfilling the law in a sense, in a very small way, but very powerful way. He tells a story of how, after college, he participated in this government program for teachers that would pay teachers to go teach in poor, low-income schools. And he noted that, unlike all the other teachers, it's this one particular teacher, a Jewish man, who demanded order in his classroom, whereas Sorab and his other confreres would often just let terror reign in the classroom and just simply did their best with it. Whereas this other man that he particularly admired in the end, he would demand order in the classroom. He would demand, he would set out a list of rules that were to be followed, and there were clear consequences if they were not followed, clear expectations of the students of what they were meant to do and what he was meant to do to them. And he noted that, well, the first couple of weeks and oftentimes even into a month, class would be difficult for this particular teacher. After that fact, the kids longed for his class because so many of them had broken homes, homes where they did not know what to expect, did not know what might come if they did this or that. But when they went into this man's classroom, they knew exactly what they were getting. They knew that he cared about them. They knew that he had expectations for them. And as a result, they came to love him for it because he gave them the order they so desired. And so is the law for us. So is the commandments that Christ has given to us in the gospel and the Beatitudes, Matthew 25, that the church continues to give to us in her teachings, which are ultimately the teachings of Jesus Christ himself. They fulfill who we are. They give order to the lives that we so desire, that we so need, in order to truly experience peace and joy. It is only by fulfilling those commandments that we come to a deeper knowledge and a deeper sense of satisfaction that we so desire. And again, none of us is going to be able to fulfill the ball completely, right? And so the law of love, the law of mercy still abides. And the truth is, is that his mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. He will always forgive us. But the truth will always remain that we desire order. Think about it. I've had this experience so, much, so often myself. Our culture is so focused on frivolous novelty. One new thing after another after another. How many of you, I know I've done this myself, have gotten on social media, clicked on an article, read a sentence or two, maybe a paragraph, maybe two if you're really lucky, and then switched to another paragraph? or to another article, I mean. 
How many of you have been on YouTube and watched a video for 20, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, switch to another one? So often our brains are wired to this frivolous pursuit of novelty. I'm bored with this, let's move on to a new thing. But what we truly desire at the core of our being, what God has created us for, is to have well-ordered lives. Lives that are centered on Him. Lives that are ultimately focused on prayer. And our fulfillment is not found in pursuit of pleasure after pleasure, but instead is found in fulfilling our duties. Our duties as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a husband, a son, a daughter, grandparent, priest, Catholic, employee, employer. It's in fulfilling those duties, doing those things well, that we truly receive the satisfaction and the fulfillment that our hearts so desire. The law is not given as merely a judge. It is that. It's not given as merely a hoop to jump through or a hurdle to clear. But instead it is given to us for freedom. True freedom that is belonging to the sons and daughters of God. That is where our glory comes truly alive. As St. Irenaeus stated that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. You can be the full glory of God. You can exemplify that in your life. He is calling you to that because he loves you. How many of you parents out there have seen your children want to help you with something? And even though they may do it somewhat poorly, how much it delights you to just simply see them try, right? And ultimately the satisfaction that comes to them and being taught to do something that they had never been able to do before. Tying their shoes, putting on their clothes, taking out the trash, whatever it may be. The Lord delights in the little ways that you try to please him, to try to fulfill the commands. He's happy at you trying to fulfill the smallest one of it. So take heart. As his beloved sons and daughters, in our deepest sense of our identity, he calls each of you. He calls each of us to deepen our love for him, to deepen our love for ourselves because it is the order we desire in his law, the fulfillment of who we are, and in your desire to serve others around you. Take heart, for it is in fulfilling the law that ultimately each of us as human beings creating the image and likeness of God's, his sons, his daughters, come to the fulfillment of who we are called to be.